Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Declan McConville and GP Mason for yet another instalment of the Axom Bulletin. Welcome back to the show guys, how are you after another 4-0 away victory last night? Declan, I'll let you go first, you both froze, you got stage, you got stage fright, you got stage fright there. Declan, last night, let's talk about it. feel it more upbeat. A bit more upbeat um, is trying just to get this season over and done with and not feel too down. So more victories the better until we get this horror show over with. 
It did turn into a horror show and just before we came on and it was one of the subjects last night, JP, who covered the game with us last night, um, January, you know, the performances in January, self-induced, was definitely the final nail in the coffin for the, the 10 in a row dream, wasn't it, JP? It seems that way and if you strip back the, the points difference to, you know, what it could well be, you know, when we if and when we win our other game in hand, you know, you're, you're, there's, it's the smallest of margins. Then, really, if you're if you're looking at the the points we could have won in January, and it's just horrible, absolutely horrible to think that that, that, that is the ultimate uh, the ultimate sort of yeah, like you say, the nail in the coffin. You know, those two games against Hibs and Livy at home, where you know last minute equaliser from Hibs, and you know a fairly turgid display against Livingston. Uh, with a shadow, well, not a shadow side, but uh, certainly a, a fragmented side from what we would, you know, if we'd played that team last night, for example, again in those two games, I don't think we would have come out with two points. And I'm not be, I don't think I'm being, you know, uh, sort of uh, brash saying that, but uh, I, I think that's true. No, I, I would agree with that. And when we do look back, and it's going to be with a lot of regret, we're going to be looking back at this season because um, when you get results like last night, I asked the question, do Celtic have their mojo back? Yeah, people uh, constantly say that uh, there's an echo chamber in amongst Celtic broadcasts and Celtic podcasts where it's all negative and it's all anti-Celtic, anti-Lenny. I don't think it is. I really don't. I just think it's really... I mean, you look at a Celtic state of mind and you look at uh, the fact that I think we've now got 13 or 14 contributors. Declan is one of the youngest. What age are you now, Dec? I noticed... 21. Oh, you're getting old. You're not the youngest anymore. Amy's the youngest at 20, right up to, and I'm not going to reveal their ages, but Jim Orr and Stevie Mullen, uh, males, females, different you know ages. I think we've got um, quite a few of the contributors. I've got a couple of season tickets in our households. We've got more season tickets than we've got contributors. It's all about views. It's all about opinions. But you'd be doing a job to try and extract positivity out of the, out of the goings-on at Celtic Park. However, I'm looking at last night, uh, and it really is with regret that you're seeing Turnbull flourishing into one of the best uh, players in Scotland Edward finding his feet, finding his form Rogic being introduced, reintroduced and showing us what he is capable of, Scott Brown grabbing the game by the, the scruff of the neck, Welsh bossing it at the back, Taylor uh, cementing himself at left back and you think to yourself, this is what the team could have been all season long and the regret I'm talking about is the fact that we've started doing it in February I mean JP how how frustrating is that as a Celtic supporter well I mean uh, by the way just to touch on uh, giving away ages that's my first ever Celtic strip so you could probably <laughs> figure out what age I was uh, when I had that it was quite small um, is, it, is it signed JP is there signatures I, on it yeah I've been I've been building up the signatures over the years so I've got a uh, uh, very fortunate to have Tommy Burns's on there. Um, I've been basically trying to get the whole eighty-eight uh, team, and that's my that's my goal. So I've got you know Billy Stark, Pat Bonner, uh, Peter Grant, Joe Miller, Andy Walker, Boo Hiss, uh, etc. <laughs> Still a great player for Celtic in the eighties. Let's not. You got you got McAvenny on it. Yeah, I got Mac. Yeah, uh, uh, Paul McStay as well. So I mean, have I, you got you got Paul McStay? Brilliant. I met Brilliant. Paul McStay outside Starks Park. Do you remember uh, Wraith Rovers and Celtic had a kind of re- rematch? Yes, 
the Coca-Cola Cup final. Yep. I went along with that. <laughs> I went along with that. We won in penalties, which was ironic, um, and McStay scored um, this time, and then he awaited at the door like a wee guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what age I was, was probably in my 30s. Uh, and uh, I was I waited for him and, and got to speak to him, which is a rarity, because I think he lives in Australia, doesn't he? He is. He doesn't do press, as far as I know. The one thing with Paul McStay, uh, Declan, I'll come to you on this one. Quite a few years back, he announced that he was writing his autobiography. There's a few players in the, the kind of Celtic history that you would love to read their books. Paul McStay's one of them. John Clark being another one. I think Henrik Larson's would be pretty good. I think that would be up there with Ibrahimovic, in fact, you know, because, yeah, he's a hero at Celtic, but... He's a hero wherever he went. Um, and also, the other one I'd love to read is Fergus McCann's. I mean, Declan, have you any thoughts on McStay? Do you think we'll ever read his life story, Paul McStay, the maestro? I think one day we will, um, for his longevity at Celtic. I'm sure there's plenty of stories in there. Working under different managers, uh, different eras at Celtic as well, going right from a kind of late 70s right up until the, the, the takeover. A guy that was there and seen it all. Um but John Clark's the one I think we all want to read because I think he's the only lesbian line not to have did a, a book to this present date. So I think he is the man and his longevity, when you're talking about longevity at Celtic, he is one of those very, very special people in Celtic's history who you could describe as Mr Celtic, a lot of guys like Billy McNeil and Neely Malkin um, as being there for such a long time and seeing so much success. No, you're absolutely right. Um, hopefully we do see McStay's book come into fruition at some point. Now, one of our contributors, Laura Bradburn, had the audacity to utter Paul McStay's name in the same breath as David Turnbull's. And I'm not quite at the stage where I'm about to call Turnbull the maestro, but he certainly is orchestrating the games at the moment. JP, let's look back to that second half performance last night. It was as if they clicked a switch at half time on Turnbull because he was being pretty well man-marked in the first half. Yeah, he was, and uh, uh, I was watching uh, the Celtic fans TV guys' reaction, and they uh, made the point that they moved they, they moved Rogic out to the to the right and moved Turnbull back to the his number ten in the second half, and that was what the difference was. I didn't I didn't actually clock that myself, but uh, it does make sense, and, it, and it, you know he just started finding the space again in the second half that we've we've seen him you know enjoy in in the last well couple of months, I suppose. So just going back to your point about the frustration, the frustration's there on, on so many levels in terms of, you know, Turnbull didn't really come into the side until November. You know, he's starting to flourish now. It's February. You know, uh, you know Edward's hitting form again, you know, for the first time this season. He's now top goal scorer, you know, uh, ahead of a right back, thankfully. Um, and uh, you know, it's just it's all these things are so frustrating. <laughs> but um, but I'm really pleased to see Turnbull doing well. I, I said before on this uh, on this show that a friend of mine's a Motherwell fan, big Motherwell fan, and he's been talking up Turnbull big time for a long time, and uh, it, it's certainly starting to show in, in a Celtic jersey. It certainly is. You mentioned Sorrow there, so I'll come to you, Dick. One of the disappointments, I guess, over the last couple of weeks is the fact that he's been benched. And I know that, you know, there's been car crashes, etc. He seems to be quite unlucky with things. He got food poisoning earlier in the season when he tried to do a bit of cooking. But uh, it is quite disappointing. But uh, over the last three games, do you think Brown is deserving of getting his jersey back? I just think at his age now, Paul, he, he can't play three games in a row for Celtic. Um, he played very well at, at Rugby Park against a poor Kilmarnock side. I mean, let's not dress that one up. 
Um, I think Scott needs to be coached in a way that you're not exerting him that he's playing 90 minutes of football for you all the time because I don't think he's got it in him anymore. He's 35. Um, Legs-wise, whether they're still there or not, you know, they're not there for 90 minutes anymore. So whether it's a case of you start Brown and take him off 60, 70 minutes, mm. personally, that would it be my favourable option. I'd be playing Sorrow over him. I know, as I say, he played well at Rugby Park, but I don't think he should be playing three games in a row. I get the whole, he's Celtic's captain, but he can still have a big influence in the dressing room and he can still have a big influence from the dugout. But at this point in time, I, I don't see why his Malia Sorrows did anything to be dropped. He was poor against St Martin at home, but not deserving to be dropped, in my opinion. We're seeing um, the rebuild already. We're seeing a bit of a, an exodus. JP Elhamid being the latest one to leave the building and Cham's already away back to France. Frimpong, obviously we cashed in on Frimpong. Uh, got a, a fairly good price for him. Tommy Rogic comes back into the side. He's shown us flashes of absolute brilliance. I mean, the goal last night, for example, but even against Motherwell, he was doing things on that park that no one else is capable of doing. Um, I was critical of his consistency then he went out and opened the scoring so he made me eat my words is it a case of Rogic's going to give us the, the last fleeting performances before he also flees the nest do you think? Yeah I think it's kind of on the cards if he was almost away in the summer you, you'd expect him I think the move maybe just wasn't right for him maybe financially it would have been great but uh, he maybe uh, sort of weighed it up and thought am I too young to be going out into the footballing wilderness that is Qatar. Do you know what I mean? It's like when a manager goes away to one of these obscure leagues, you know, they're kind of almost not writing off their career, but, you know, once you move yourself out of that limelight, then it's probably why Brendan Rodgers didn't go to China, do you know? Um, Because, you know, he maybe thought, well, I go out here, yes, it's a big payday, but it's kind of game over a little bit at that point. But I was going to mention that last night. I I never... uh, made the point but it was just about the, the where the players are actually going if you look at Frimpom's an exception an exception going to Germany obviously because you know he's not German and has no as far as I know has no ties to Germany but it's interesting given the current global situation and with travel restrictions and everything that, that El Hamed's gone back to Israel mm-hmm. he's been linked with a move back to Israel his native land uh, and where, where else um, in Cham's gone back to France so mm-hmm. It's no surprise really that these players have been linked back to me. Like, well, they're going back to their home country because obviously, if they want to see their family and things like that, then there's no quarantine restrictions if you're in the same country. So, uh, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. I, I imagine we might see more of that. I mean, I'm, that's just speculation on my part. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a good point. Um, it really is a good point, JP. And when you look at the fact, and I made the point last night, Declan, that you know three of our loanees on big wages are sitting on the bench. We've now got four guys in on loan. You would expect, maybe with the exception of El Yunusi, perhaps, that all four of them will go back to their parent clubs. If you then lose your four, five, half a dozen players that we've been talking about, Ohamid, Beaton, Cham, Frimpong, um, and, you know, Rogic potentially you've also then got to deal with Eduard Christie uh, and then you think Ayer even that, that's mm. virtually their entire side I mean the rebuild let's talk about the rebuild Declan how do you think Celtic are going to approach that I mean things are going to be completely different in a transfer market post Brexit uh, but also you know post uh, Covid in terms of the finance but well I recently wrote an article in the alternative view and I used the word the squad was going to be decimated and that is what we're going to be looking at. Um, if we're really looking at 
Champions League again and being ambitious, we're going to need five or six first team players, guys that are going to walk in the door and walk into the first team. There's also a question of if the setup changes, director of football comes in, new manager comes in, will some players maybe think, I would like to give this a bash? Um, maybe Christopher Ayer could be one of those guys. He's only 21, 22, I think. He might look at TCL and think, okay, decent new manager in. I'll give this another go here. So there's that potential. But again, you know, whether Celtic are going to look to be a wee bit more internal and go again for British-based players because of the restrictions due to Brexit and obviously COVID is not going to go away anytime soon will be another possible option. Are we going to go back into that championship market, look in there? Is there any other gems in the league we can go and pick? Um, is going to be an option, but we certainly need big players that are going to walk in at the first team. It's not going to be just rebuilding a squad, it's rebuilding a first team at this point in time. No, you're right, because when I look at some of the, what would otherwise be options, uh, JP, it would be, right, let, let's have a look at what we've got bubbling under the surface here in terms of the youth players. And we've seen, obviously, Welsh coming in, and I'm delighted when a player like Welsh comes in and performs as well as he has. We'll come back to him in a second. And you think, who else? Where's his contemporaries? You know, is it Robertson? Is it Henderson? Are they going to come in and make a difference? I don't know if they've had enough games so far to say for sure that they will. Uh, Johnson's coming back to fitness so there you've got a crop four or five young guys giving new blood I thought Connor Hazard would have been part of that but he seems to have fallen right out of favour so th- there's one element you go to your youth you go to that well the other one would be the, the throws of players that we put out on loan I mean we put guys out on loan a dozen every single season out on loan some of them are first teamers some of them have come in for several million quid like you know Bio and Sved and Hendry these players that is there a gem in there could we bring someone back like we did with McGregor, like we did with Ayer and Christie? Is there maybe a gem in there? And then the other option, of course, is exactly what Declan says. You're going to be forced to go out there and buy ready-made first-team players. And we've already seen what happens when you do that uh, to the degree where you're bringing six guys in, like we did this season. It takes a long time for them to gel. Some of them don't gel at all. Uh, obviously, Duffy made a, uh, an appearance last night. It looks as though he might be making more appearances before the end of the season. So I think this rebuild, we're all accepting of the fact, JP, that it's happening. But what's it going to look like? Well, I mean, I certainly don't want to anger any uh, watchers or comment- commenters uh, with the news that you remember when Aidan McGeady was sold, um, Neil Wennon used the bulk of that money to rebuild a side. So, you know, uh, there is the possibility that, you know, with the money that we get in for, you know, be it Ayer or Edward or whoever, that this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. That money, uh, whilst also probably filling a bit of a a hole in terms of the finances that we've not uh, earned this season, um, you know, 
I'm not saying it's going to be Neil Lennon that's going to rebuild the side, but you know, the sides can be rebuilt from sales of players. We've seen it happen before. It's just about how we manage the market, and and yeah, there maybe would be a sort of smattering of of, of youth players coming in and getting a run like Welsh has. And uh, I just saw someone comment in Zinkovic's eight seven five four said, "Looks like the Welsh injury last night is not as bad as we think." Thanks, the maker. Um, presumably means God. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I really hope that is too because uh, that's you know I really you know feel for the guy, and it was a horrible one last night. Like I said. I've gone over on my ankle like that, and it's it's so painful, and and can can be a long term. Well, not a long term, but it can be a, you know a good few weeks anyway. Yeah, I mean, see when you're, you're looking at the, the young guys coming through Declan and Celtic have a, a real tradition of doing that, there, there comes with that a, a real sense of patience. Patience is required from the fan base. I mean, we've seen in the past teams trying to throw in half a dozen young guys and it's very difficult uh, for them. I mean, some of the examples, obviously the famous one being Manchester United with uh, Alan Hansen's comments that you don't win anything with kids. But there's been other examples where clubs have been in, in real financial stress and I've had to play young kids and it's not worked out well I remember Dunfermline had to do it and they played you know, a whole host of youngsters who simply were not ready for the first team quite a few of them fell by the wayside I think you know, looking back to that team the only one that seems to have made a name for himself is the boy Ross Millen who's getting a game every, every week for Kilmarnock um, and, I, and I remember Hearts doing it as well obviously when they were in financial peril and Gary Locke was in charge and you throw all these kids in it can sometimes damage their careers Celtic are not at that stage where we're, we're going to have so few players that we're going to have to play the kids. But uh, going forward with, as I say, the COVID and uh, also the Brexit situation, we are going to have to focus on the youth development. Now, you mentioned something before, Declan, about the director of football. We're taking it now as granted that that is going to happen. We're going to have a director of football in place, do you reckon? I think so, um, and I think on the rebuild, you need to sort out your youth academy because it just... It doesn't seem as if it's been working to the extent we'd all like it to work. Yes, we've had successful projects through in Tierney's, McGregor's, Forest, but they're just a handful, and it's not what we would maybe expect in terms of the facilities we've got, the type of budget we've got, and the type of markets we shop in. Um, so, and as guys like Leo Connor, if you remember him, that we brought mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. along with Frimpong, who's nowhere to be seen. Um, so he's away on loan I think to Tranmere Rovers so there is guys in there but whether or not they can make the step up you know after being decimated coming back from Dubai we saw a lot of youth players get the chance one of them the boy Harper looks as I think he's away to America mm. um, and there's other guys that just don't look as if they're going to cut it so Stephen Wells is one of the biggest positives this season and this was a good time to bed him out of the team because there's no real pressure just now I, I say that um disappointingly of course because the league to me is over um, but it was a chance for Stephen Wells to get in there and get a bit of game time get a bit of experience but again we don't want to play Russian roulette getting into the Champions League playing young guys that could just completely ruin them and put a real risk to our season because we know how important Champions League is um, and we're going to need to take the real tough route this year 
We really are, and it, as you say, the real tough route because it's tough every every single year, Declan. But it's going to get even tough, tougher when you've not won the league. Uh, obviously, what then happens is there's a, a real shift in impetus from uh, a club who are throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at winning the league this season in Rangers, and, and pulling that off gives them the opportunity to have access to funds that uh, hitherto they've never had access to, and that that is the the Champions League money. So you're looking at that situation and how that pendulum swings in a different direction whereby Celtic are in a situation where you know the season ticket you know um, renewals is coming up very very quickly for the club we were talking last night about how they're going to tackle that from a charm offensive JP because they certainly can't be in a situation where there's a massive drop in season ticket sales because levied um, to that you're also going to have potentially the Champions League cash not being in the bank as well and that's a double hit um, so I'm looking a wee bit further forward not being pessimistic here but it's a, re- it's a real uh, possibility that you know, that's going to set Celtic back quite a bit, you know, and uh, obviously the, it's advantage Rangers then, isn't it? Not only will they win the league, but then, you know, if they get through the, the tricky qualifiers, they then access the riches uh, of the promised land. That's my biggest concern at the moment. And I think when uh, people like myself are coming out and saying, you know, Neil Lennon has to go back in October... It was with all this in mind. You know, you're thinking ahead. It's not about knee-jerk reactions. And um, Because back in October, we could have salvaged this season. And as Declan quite rightly says there, and it's painful to say it, it's not going to happen, is it? So so when you're looking ahead to that, uh, JP, yeah, the youth development is important. The director of football should be taking care of the structure there and making sure that, you know, if we were ever in a situation where you're playing the youngsters, and normally we would see it in the last couple of games of the season, I think famously, uh, one of the guys that was on the uh, the telly last night, Jimmy Goodwin, played for Celtic in such a game. Um, Dalgleish was in charge. We threw in, was it eight young guys? It was the youngest Celtic side ever to line up. Henrik Larson came back from his leg break. We played Dundee United at home. That's when you normally see a clutch of youngsters all getting thrown in at once. We could be in a situation next season where we simply don't have the finance to go and sign six players permanently. Because, I mean... What kind of price are you paying for a player who's going to make a difference to your team? Is it, is it five million quid? Is that your base price? Well, you look at a Yeti, that was a five million signing. And, you know, he's been okay. I, I think he's not really done the business yet. I saw things from him last night that certainly were a bit encouraging, but it, it, it just it doesn't look utterly comfortable. But with regards to the, like, the signings of players, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be potentially a huge outlay. With regards to the season tickets, um, I would hope that, you know, regardless of who's the manager, that people would still want to buy a season ticket if they can afford it. And I know that you've said that it becomes a luxury now and there's going to be people that have to make tough decisions. And I, I feel for those people because, you know, It'll be horrible if you if if this whole COVID situation has affected you to the point that you have to actually make that decision and go right. Am am I going to you know have a family holiday this year or am I going to get a season ticket? You know mm-hmm. that that could be the decision that's been made in a lot of households at the moment. And that you know I mean I know it's first world problems and all that, but it's still still a decision. And you know for guys that have been going to or girls that have been going to the games for years to suddenly have to make that sort of difficult decision is hard, but. I just want to get back to the games and you know when the season ticket formalises on my doorstep I'll be filling it in and sending it back regardless of what's going on because you know I'm in a position where I don't have 
dependence, you know, on me and, and I'm not, you know, running a household. So I, I just wanted to get back to the games and watch the games. And that I, I would hope that that is the appetite that a lot of people who maybe are in a similar position to me uh, are what we do, you know, just to be like, right, look, we, we've missed, we've not been at a football match for a year, you know, mm-hmm. and it could be a year and a half by the next day, by the time we get to actually go to a game. So to sit here and sort of stubbornly go, no, I'm not giving Celtic my money because, uh, you know, they've not sacked Neil Lennon. Um, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not in that set of thinking. And there's been a lot of comments coming in about Steve Clark. I, I don't, you know, that's obviously just maybe someone's picked a name out of a hat there, but. I wonder if there's Well, let's talk about it because we're in a situation. Neil Lennon came out yesterday after the game. He was speaking about a performance that he described as outstanding, magnificent, and he was delighted with the performance. And, you know, he, he picked out certain players, uh, one of them being Ryan Christie. Uh, he said that he was revitalised. He spoke about Tommy Rogic, Edouard being back in amongst the goals, and David Turnbull with uh, obviously his uh, orchestration of events last night. It seems as though for me you would be building your team around players like Turnbull, like Sorrow but what I think when we're looking at the manager situation Declan, I'm of the view that Neil Lennon's going nowhere, I want Celtic to win every game between now and the end of the season absolutely, I want to you know, shorten that gap, uh, you want to put as much pressure as possible make it as uncomfortable as possible for Rangers don't allow them just to you know, waltz off into the, into the sunset uh, with this league title, yeah I think it's gone but you need to have a bit of respectability about that, win every single game and I think that's why uh, in part players like Scott Brown will continue to play uh, Tommy Rogic's a go-to guy for, for Neil Lennon but but in the summer, we do need that change. I'm not going to have a, an avatar in Neil Lennon with a big uh, red score through his face. I'm not going to have that. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, when JP quite rightly says when it comes to renewal, I'm not withholding money. Personally, I think it's a personal choice. Uh, that doesn't make me the enemy. That doesn't make me and JP and others like us uh, part of the problem. I don't subscribe to that at all. Uh, but you, you can affect change. Now, one of the biggest things that we have had in the past is we've had a, a very active supporters group who are able to affect change because they're able to make these protests uh, and they're able to make them in such a way that sometimes if they decide to uh, make a point, it goes global. And that's the Green Brigade. But over the last few uh, weeks, obviously, with their unfurling of banners, etc., what do you think that's done to the relationship that possibly existed between the Green Brigade and the club themselves because obviously I'm not saying that the club are in the Green Brigade's pockets or vice versa but there are occasions where you know both uh, the Green Brigade and Celtic need to work together for example um, you know there was obviously discussions about safe standing areas Um, you have to have um, a group of people having season tickets in the same part of the stadium you've got to go in and prepare TFOs for example so there is a communication do you think that's going to be irreparable or do you think that's one of the things along with engagement that the incoming Dominic Mackay has to focus as a priority I think it needs to be a priority and not just for uh, GB I think for other Celtic fans who will feel completely you know just let down this season and as if they've been taken for mugs and I think that is a feeling by a lot of people that the communication has been horrendous that you know when messages have been sent out it's not been you know, and the best intention at times. We heard Dubai was in the best of intentions. In hindsight, I think we all know it wasn't. It was a big risk that was taken. Um, but, you know, moving forward to season tickets, Celtic are going to really need to appeal to people because 
there is people out there struggling with money. There will be people out there to use that terminology being used, scunnered by everything going on at Celtic just now. And how you get those folk back on side is going to be crucial in moving forward because I think if you, you go back to our most recent success under Brendan Rodgers, everybody was in harmony together. That's the fans, the players in the park, the manager, and those guys up top even. Even then there was still calls of, you know, there was always going to be fan discontent. I don't think you can really say there's been a time when Celtic fans have not been happy with those in charge, even under Fergus, um, when he was booed. So it's always been there under Robert Kelly as well, a man who proceeded over the European Cup success. So there's always going to be that between fans and board. But you need to have everybody working together to to bring a positivity and to move forward to the football club. But, you know, come season ticket in old form, I will be renewing, but I think for a lot of people, they might hang off to see what happens and that might be the best thing that seems to work in the board's language is finances because as a football club just now, we're in uncertain times. We don't know when we'll be back at the football. We don't know when we'll have a full stadium. So if finances are the only language that the board want to play with supporters, I think a lot of people will hold off until change comes and I think change will come. But I think people will just give it that wee bit of time before they act. You know, Kevin Graham made the suggestion last night that this is part of the, the, the campaign, if you like, by the club, whereby they're going to drop whatever the update is, Declan, in and around the time of the renewal, uh, either just before the renewals hit your, door, uh, your doormat or during the period that you have to renew your tickets. Do you think the club would do that? I mean, if that is the case, you're, you're still going to have to give information in relation, I would guess, to the management situation, which I can't see them doing whilst Neil Lennon's still in position. I possibly think the club might carry on the kind of season tickets for a wee while um, and they might not arrive as soon as we all may think they might arrive. That is a very possibility until they can make a decision on this. But on a manager situation, would I be surprised if season ticket forms come out before we've replaced or changed the management setup? No. But I think you need to have some kind of if everybody thought that, that Dominic Mackay was going to appease the, Celtics, appease the Celtic support at this point in time, it's not on because we can see that people are not happy. It's not just fan podcasts. I know people are getting the blame. It's not just one fans group. People are not happy with how things have unfolded this season, not happy with performances in the park, not happy with decisions made at the very top. And that needs to be solved moving forward because if you don't, you're going to make a lot, of, a lot of people more angry and that is not going to come very nicely in terms of uh, season ticket renewals because people are skinnered and you're going to need to change something to make uh, a bit of positivity back at the football club. You're right. I think uh, there's been so much uh, happened this season, and there is so much uh, kind of like fragmentation amongst the support that to continue as is with with Neil Lennon uh, would be commercial suicide. It really would because you're you're not going to get the fifty seven thousand season tickets. Now this season is a season like no other. Uh, we were going for ten in a row, but also JP there was really this big appeal by the club. Uh, to not only buy your season ticket, but you're basically investing in a situation where you're helping the club get through uh, a very, very dark time. A, a, a dark time that a lot of clubs probably will never recover from. And, uh, and then you've got other clubs who will need to basically take a sidestep for quite a number of years in terms of their spending and their finances. And it might take years for them to recover. I think Celtic 
uh, in relation to a club our size are going to come out of this in as good shape as possible in terms of the business side of it. But on the football side, it's a completely different story. Now, the thing with, with this, this broadcast is people talk about who we're going to bring in. Everybody's got an opinion. And that is something everybody is entitled to, is an opinion on uh, whether or not we keep Neil Lennon. And if he does go, who should come in? Now, Joe, Joe Porter has been supporting Axon for a long time. He comes in on a daily basis to make comments, or almost on a daily basis. So welcome back, Joe. You're watching on YouTube. and you're This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Using the name, and I've never brought this up, I don't think, John Terry is now in the running for the job. JP... Uh, is basically shaking his head in disbelief. Internally, I'm doing the same. Uh, What I would say about a name like Terry, and and I I would also use um, Frank Lampard in the same discussion, even though I know Lampard has more managerial experience. I think what you're going for there is you're going for profile. You're going for profile. You're bringing in, you think that, right, the, the fans need excitement. Let's go for a high-profile manager. That's not what we're looking for here. We're not looking for a marquee, a marquee manager, are we, JP? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, John Terry. If John Terry excites anybody, you know, full stop. Then you need to take a look at yourself. Uh, no, I, I certainly have got no, no, uh, no interest in John Terry being linked with the Celtic job, nor Frank Lampard. Just because Frank Lampard got the Chelsea job, Frank Lampard got the Chelsea job because of his. Uh, you know his lineage and his history at, at Chelsea. Put it that way. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't have his playing career at Chelsea. I don't think they would have looked at him. But a guy that's managed like, Derby County for a season or something like that. Like, there's no way Chelsea would be appointed. It's the same with us and Neil Lennon. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Got the Celtic job uh, in the first instance or in the second instance had he not had his, his playing career at, at Celtic. But. Um, and just before we go on to talk about managers, I wanted to mention something about in terms of the fans and what what the Green Brigade do and, and have done, and you know I've agreed with some of it and, and not agreed with other things that they've done. Um, but I was at a, very randomly, my friend uh, Joe was working on a TV show out in Rome in 2019 and me and my friend went out to see him, but we tied it into a game, so we went to see Roma Milan. Uh, mm. Uh, it ended one each, I think. Um, but it was good to just go to that ground and you know um, see see an Italian football match. Um, but the Roma fans at that point were really, really anti their board and their manager. I think it was Ranieri that was the manager at the time. Mm. Um, I might be wrong on that, but uh, they were definitely they were anti everything really at the club. And uh, they at the start of the game they held up. Uh, in, the, in their sort of whatever there is, there's a north curve or whatever it is called, they held up TIFOs of a of a supporter. It was the 30th anniversary of a supporter called Antonio De Falci, or De Falci, forgive me on my Italian pronunciation there, but he died at the San Siro uh, 30 years prior in a, in a fixture. So they held up these, these TIFOs for him. They were all over. Because um, I was like, who's that guy? And then I, I Googled him at the time and figured out what it was. Mm. But then uh, they... 
staged a protest in that obviously they paid for their tickets, they were season ticket holders or whatever, and they staged a protest in that game. They all turned their back on the game. And then I think it was in the 15th minute, they all just started to do a staged walkout from the game. So that whole stand was empty by half time. It was absolutely surreal to watch basically the hardcore Roma fans just all weave the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're winning at the time one now as well, but it was just like, no, that's that's what they decided to do. So well, that was quite an effective thing because it's still you're still paying your money to the club, but yeah. you're, you're showing your displeasure at what's going on. So um, just 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 wanted to mention that. No, I'm glad you did because I'm thinking of some of the incredible work that the Green Brigade has done, uh, not just within the stadium, but the charitable element of that as well, JP. And it's always important to underline all the good stuff that they do, Deck. Um, and, and some of the, the TIFOs are, are astonishing. I mean, they're going to appear in Celtic history books in, in years to come. But it did occur to me the other day, it was brought up by Anthony Haggerty, one of our uh, contributors who has been a great addition to the, the squad. I think he's come in as a, as a bit of a, a kind of midfield maestro himself and he was uh, he reminded us actually on the chat group that it's John Thompson's 90th anniversary uh, this year in September fellow uh, Pfeiffer John Thompson obviously buried in Carton Den um, and you would expect the club and the fan base to do something very special um, for that occasion as well um, you're thinking forward to September I said to GP last night I can't wait for the team the Axrom team to get together in the studio we've not been able to do it we've not been able to launch anything um, even though we opened at the end of July last year but it'd be great to get everybody together there's a wee barrier out there and it felt so alien even just to talk about that you know get a dozen people together uh, who all have that same state of mind, that Celtic state of mind, um, for a few sherbets and put the tunes on. It seemed bizarre. So even talking about September and you wonder what could be done, um, uh, obviously, to celebrate uh, and remember someone like, like John Thompson on the 90th anniversary, it still seems pretty alien because I can't even visualise now what it feels like to be in a stadium of, I was going to say 60,000 like-minded people, but what I've learned on this podcast is 60,000 different opinions probably all supporting the same club. Um, but yeah, I think it, it is important always to underline that, JP, but I think it will be on the agenda, Declan. It will be a priority on the agenda of the incoming CEO that there needs to be more engagement with the fans uh, and bridges have to be uh, rebuilt because it seems as though at the moment that the, the bridges are being burned left, right and centre. And that's all down to the silence. What do you what do you make of this this review? Obviously, that was that was a subject of the latest banner from the Green Brigade. What do you make yourself of this review? Are we going to get an update on that review? I don't think we all get an update in the review. I mean, I've saw John Paul, who is probably the only person at the club that, that engages with the fans, you know, repeatedly repeating himself and saying he's been asking for it, but nothing. Um, you know, I'm part of one of the people that goes along to the fans' forums. We were meant to have a fans' forum meeting in December. That still hasn't been reorganised, unfortunately. I heard Ian Bankier in his comments at the AGM saying, Football is a fast-moving business. Peter is excellent in dealing with a fast-moving business. It's that fast-moving. The fans forum only meets four times a year to discuss the fast-moving business of football. So, you know, in terms of communication, we really need to get a hold of it, you know, get everybody involved, whether that's supporters groups, individual fans. The fans forum is great. I attend it. I get to get my points across. We hear from the board. We hear from different community groups. The last time, I think... We, we met with September last year and um, we met in Zoom virtually. Probably will meet again soon. But, um, 
you know, we need to have more of these interactions with supporters because the fans want to their club to be successful. Their fans, the fans want to um, make a positive impact in the club, and that can only be done by listening to people. That's why you've got two ears and one mouth. Listen and hear what we're all thinking. Just say we're all going through hard times, but you know, fans have got issues. Fans have got opinions and ideas. Let's hear them and let's see what we can do. No, absolutely, and it's easy to do it these days, Declan. That's the big thing here. That there is nothing at all, and uh, you know, as a barrier in place of that engagement. Um, I'm going to bring this up because Davy says King Henrik returning as manager would lift the place. I think this goes back into the same category that we were just discussing, JP, where you you appoint a manager based on either an association with the club, i.e., Neil Lennon, or because Neil Lennon wasn't appointed as a manager first time round because of what he had done as a manager, and certainly not the second time round because his, his tenures at Hibs and Bolton wouldn't have been good enough for me to give him the Celtic job. Or the you know clubs often appoint managers based on profile. They think, all oh, right, that's going to excite the fans. Now, I made a suggestion pretty early on in the season, actually, where it looked as though uh, Neil Lennon was struggling. Um, and you know it was all around that subject, JP, of the fact that he didn't choose his backroom team. And you remember the Neil Lennon of old, during the first tenure, he did pick his backroom team. And it was Mialbe and Thompson, Gary Parker, for example. And what you had there was, you know, it really is a team. And it, it looked fractured this season at various points of the season with Gavin Strachan, John Kennedy and, and Lenny. And again, I have no behind the scenes information in relation to their relationship, but it certainly looked fractured. And I just can't see when a, a management team is thrown together like that, how there would be any kind of synergy. So I made the suggestion ex-player bring in Larson, but I think a few weeks later he ended up at Barcelona for me the guy is an absolute icon at Celtic Park but he's never done anything as a coach or a manager as far as I can see my suggestion was bring him in to coach the, the strikers well, I mean I, I wouldn't be adverse to Henrik Larson being involved in some capacity at Celtic you know in the, in the coming years um, purely because I mean, I love the guy a bit. He's the greatest I've ever seen in a Celtic jersey. Um, I was fortunate to see him score most of his goals in the flesh. Uh, and, and, and I've also had the opportunity to actually thank him briefly for that when I met him at Celtic Park um, uh, during the James Milner, Cillian uh, Petrov charity game. Mm-hmm. I met him briefly in the in the stairwell of the lounge, and it was just like a huge, huge moment for me. I mean, he's probably he's met millions of Celtic fans and all the rest of it, but like for me, that moment will live with me for the rest of my life. I got to meet the guy that I completely idolised, and I certainly wouldn't want anything to tarnish that. And I don't think Henrik Larson, Henrik Larson's wise enough to not come in as his first managerial job to manage Celtic. There's no way he would he would risk. Um, his reputation with, with with that, you know, despite the lure of it, I know, I know, obviously, you know, you know, people like Martin O'Neill said, you know, I'd, you know, I'd walk to Glasgow to manage Celtic, or, or mm. as his dad said, you should walk to Glasgow to manage Celtic. But but Martin O'Neill had managerial credibility at that point. Henrik Larson doesn't have any, and I sincerely hope for Henrik Larson. Um, I'm sure he's all, all right financially, but the chat about Barcelona at the moment in terms of their finances. He, you know, he might be looking to take any job he can get at the moment because they're in, in bad nick. I mean, the other the other guy, and I'm not comparing them as players, but remember Shearer went to Newcastle as a manager 
remember and um, oh, you, you know you can you can definitely tarnish your reputation I don't think he did but I, I wouldn't like to see Larson in that dugout um, you know with us putting in performances like we have done this season there's so many players there who and I think coaches have this issue Declan when they go to get their badges and they, you know you've maybe got a, a very very good coach and there's more and more coming into the professional game now who haven't played professional football and they're up against someone who's an ex-player and even the way that the non-playing coach is uh, treated, and I'm talking to the guys quite regularly who have been in this position, uh, is as if they're not as good a coach as the guy who played football. But they might be a far better coach than the guy. Just because he played football, it doesn't mean to say he can get it from there out yeah. here and actually express that that message. And I think of it, everybody knows the big examples of, of Mourinho, etc. But it's more and more common now that, that coaches and managers haven't played because, you know, it's a completely different skill set. And I mean, you look at even some of the most successful managers we've had who weren't great players, the best. Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, absolutely. Uh, and, and Jock Steen, of course, who was, by his own admission, uh, you know, an, an average player mm-hmm. uh, for Celtic and he got a chance at Celtic at the end of his career having played with Albin Rovers in, uh, in Wales and he comes to, to Celtic at that stage of his career so you know you're looking at uh, quite a lot of names getting bandied about but JP mentioned previously Stevie Clark now Stevie Clark was previously interviewed for the Celtic job I'm trying to get my timeline right here and I think was it around about was it when Ronnie Dyla got the job Stevie Clark was interviewed for it then um, and he was obviously overlooked at that stage I mean he's gone on to do a fantastic job at Kilmarnock you look at his CV the clubs that he's worked with the, the, the managers he's worked with unbelievable CV he's done a great job for Scotland would he excite you Declan as a Celtic manager? Excite? Probably not. Would he get results? Yes. But um, I think going back to Stevie Clark's comments after a game at Ibrooks, he spoke about this whole West of Scotland thing. He was glad to get away from it. Glad he didn't kind of stay about for that. So I think that Stevie Clark wouldn't really be interested in a job at Celtic or even Rangers. Um, he's got a great CV, obviously worked at Chelsea and has qualified Scotland for the European Championships but I think that'll be his priority it won't be Celtic so I, I can't imagine Stevie Clark would be the person to come in Now Kevin Graham's not on the show today but he's come in to make a, a comment afternoon troops you can't shout for change and continue to spend money fact of football life now Kevin obviously doesn't like capital letters, uh, even after full stops. Um, I don't know if his phone's working properly, or if he's doing it in the dark, or it's under the desk at his work. Um, what do you think of that, JP? I mean, it's a situation where I've heard a lot of people saying they're not going to penny from me until there's change. I don't think the club will react positively to that. I don't think they reacted positively to the protests, and I don't think they'll react positively to the banners. Because if they're, if they're seeing um, to bow down to, to that kind of approach, then they're losing a bit of control. And I think it's all about control. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the whole not spending money thing, I get it. I get the argument. Um, I, but I just don't think it's the, it's the one that I would choose to adopt um, going forward. Because I just... I, I, I just like I said, I, I want to go back to the games, and I, I, you know, I want to see eleven guys on a pitch in Celtic strips. I don't, you know, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really that hit up about who's in the dugout. You know, if there was an appointment made that I was really, really against, you know, like a John Terry or something like that, then I might change my mind. But at this moment in time, I'm not so anti Neil Lennon that if a game happened tomorrow, 
when we were allowed to go to it that I wouldn't go. You know what I mean? I'd be there with bells on, you know, because I just want to go back to the game and and experience that, you know, um, emotional outlet really uh, that a game provides you with. Um, Steve Clark, yeah, okay, it might not excite. It's not. It's not maybe a, a flash uh, signing as a manager, but. You know, I don't think we're in a position where we could be discounting Steve Clark as a possibility, given his record, uh, and also given the fact that he's a very good uh, Celtic man. Not that that makes any real difference, but he has. I, I know for a, I could tell you a story. I won't, but I know for a fact he's a Celtic fan <laughs> um, from Saltcoats as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely. Um, and obviously, with regards to, to Stevie Clark, there's other names that keep popping up. If you mention the name of someone who is not only uh, an excellent coach, but also a high-profile coach, such as your Martinez and Benitez, you just get laughed at at this, uh, at this juncture. That's just the, the, the state of the play at the moment. Um, we're also told you shouldn't be speaking about a new manager because Neil Lennon's got the job. But let's look ahead. There's no way, surely, that um, Neil Lennon could still have that job going into next season. It's a whole new regime that he's going to be working under, if that's the case, and a whole new structure because there is talk about a director of football. Now, one thing I would say before we move on to any further comments is I was very interested to see there that uh, the football authorities down in England have sent an open letter to uh, Twitter and Facebook, and this is in relation to uh, various flashpoints that have been happening uh, all around the English game in terms of death threats, um, racist abuse of, of, of players, and it's constant. Um, They're talking about posts should be filtered and blocked and there needs to be an improved verification process uh, for reasons of basic human decency to use the power of their systems to end the abuse. Declan McConville, what's your thoughts on that? Because it goes beyond football, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, racism has no place in football. It has no place in life, um, in my opinion. And I think everybody on this show that contributes is of that same opinion. Um, there is, you know, some horrible, horrible stuff thrown about Twitter um, that we've probably all seen before. Probably even been on one side of it um, through comments related to our football club. Um, that, that I think racism it gets dressed up as sectarianism, but is just blatant racism. So I, I think a lot, a lot of times in Twitter. There's a lot of faceless people on it. There's a lot of people with no names who want to give abuse out. And they shouldn't be on it if they if they want to, you know, you can't go into a pub and, and not be seen or, or said to do something to somebody's face. So that's how I'd, you know, use Twitter that you wouldn't accept it in a pub if somebody came up and started giving you this abuse with no face and you, you couldn't know who they are. So I think that's really important. And I think that's something I step that should have been taken a long time ago because I've saw most recently, I think it was... Dyer at Kilmarnock was receiving a lot of really horrible racial hate and it just should be something that's a part of the game you know this is these guys workplaces and they're getting targeted at their workplaces it's just it's not acceptable so I think that's a positive uh, step to be made it is. I mean, th- this is one of these things, JP. I know I'm a wee bit older than you, but um, that wasn't my first Celtic talk, by the way, the one that's on, <laughs> on your bookshelf. There was one before that that I had. But uh, we're there or thereabouts. We're of the same era, the same vintage, let's say. Um, so we've seen social media being introduced to day-to-day society. Uh, you know, we've seen 
bloody home computers if you're as old as me. ZX Spectrum in 82, coming into your home life. And now it's everything that you need, all at the touch of a, look at the product placement, all at the touch of a mobile phone. Um, and it's all there. So you can go online, you can chat, you can take photographs, you can watch videos, you can tune into this broadcast. It's all at the touch of a button, which is great because technology is fantastic and it allows us to do that. But the flip side of that, is you know the the hellish experience that people have when they're on the end of harassment and bullying, sexism, racism, death threats. I mean, in in relation to that, JP, I, I look at it all the time because it's a bit of a necessary evil if you have a broadcast, a podcast, um, any type of platform that you always have to be uh, on social media engaging. And there's some great people I've met through that process, people who I would n- never have known otherwise. There's some real positives to be taken from it. But the dark side of that, JP, is such that sometimes you can't even bear to have a look at the notifications. You know, if you switch on your phone and it's 20 plus, you think, what am I going to be faced with here? You know, and that affects a lot of people. That really gets into their psyche, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if the it was an FA you said have have done that. There's a whole collection, uh, JP, of English football groups, mm-hmm. and that takes in league groups, associations, um, and, and various charities who have all got together to uh, put their name on this open letter to both Facebook and Twitter. Wow, well, that's good. Well, I mean, yeah, because like some of the the way that people just think they they can just literally write whatever they want and at somebody. And then just sort of retreat back and go, ha, I've just, I've just uh, dropped that, you know, bag of excrement on their door for the day. Um, you know, like last night there was a comment about us, you know, uh, the, the, you know, all four of us and somebody said, oh, the years haven't been kind to the Scooby-Doo gang or something like that. And I was just like, that's terrible patter. I mean, you're obviously trying to have a go or a dig or whatever. I don't know if he was a Celtic fan or not, but, you know, that was light, I guess, lighthearted in a way. Rubbish patter, but light-hearted. But then there's then there's the other end of that spectrum where people do just go for it, and you know, absolutely no holds barred, racism, sectarianism, homophobic. You know, and you're just like, how how have you actually managed to, you know, let that come out of your mouth uh, via Twitter or Facebook or whatever? Like, it's just it's astonishing. It's like Declan said, you you even to go into a pub and just walk up to somebody and. You know, unload, unleash, you know, a, a verbal attack on them and not expect to get clocked, you know? So. Yeah. My biggest concern, JP, I seen the, the kind of revolution um, in real time and I was doing some community work quite some time ago and I was in a room with a probably 12 to, to 14 school kids and every single one of them was on their phones. And I remember looking at them thinking to myself, wow, this is the future. This is what it's going to be like. And that was probably 15, 16 years ago. And I could see that people were becoming addicted to to these little devices, um, these smartphones. But the flip side of that is we're going to have a generation who are completely judgmental towards each other and to themselves. And I, I feel that, that we're going to have a whole generation who are going to be adversely affected by this type of thing. So for the football authorities down south to do that, I think, is a, is a positive step. But obviously, those who run these massive organisations have to, to do something and they have to do it better. Because, you know, if you um, are giving someone abuse, it, it is classed as an electronic breach of the peace. 
very much like if someone was in the street shouting in your face. It's just it's an electronic version of that. So then they need to work with the authorities to ensure that this kind of thing is stamped out. And I think it's important. I mean, the only thing I would suggest, every single night I get in, which was pretty late last night after the game, it's got to be said, I put my phone somewhere in the house and I don't look at it. And that's what I try and do when I'm away from the kind of working environment. Uh, because the worst thing you could possibly do is read some abuse and then go to bed. That's terrible. You know, that's a, that's a terrible way to end your day. Uh, but I, I really do feel it's something that needs to be called out time and time again. We see it on a daily basis. Declan McConville, you're from a different generation to JP and I. We're part of the old Scooby-Doo gang, as uh, it was noted last night. Um, this has been part of your life, your entire adult life. I mean, how do you see it going? How can we do it better? I think a bit a bit better verification going on to social media platforms. I think there's too many people on there with no faces, no names that, that go out with agendas. I just want to give people hard times of it. Um, I have obviously been brought up with it. You know, technology crept into your guys' lives a bit slowly. Well, it was, it was already there um, when I came into the world. So, you know, everybody from my generation has been brought up with it. Um, we've all kind of had iPads when we were 11, 12, whatever, and that's even creeping into younger kids now. So everybody knows how to use a phone, use an iPad, use a computer, whatever. So, you know, as you say, Paul, Twitter can be a real positive place. And it's how I met you um, nearly five years ago now through Twitter. And a lot of good opportunities through it. A lot of great people on there be, be good stuff. But there is a dark side to it. But I think it can be done. Just people using apps to be a bit more positive. If you want to be critical of things, be critical, but do it in a way that's constructive. Don't go on to, to be abusive to people. Um, but to anybody that uses Twitter and gets abuse or whatever, the block button's great. One click and it's away. You don't need to listen to it again. So that's my advice to anybody. The big Twitter block button, if you're getting a hard time of it, just press the button and that's it. Absolutely. The, the one thing I would say, the positive I've seen over the last few weeks is your big pal Mark McGlone going out on his walks. And I've, see, I've yes. seen a lot, a lot of people actually responding to that saying, I've started doing that. And that's through Twitter. That's through Matt filming himself going out for a walk. And I people thinking, yesterday. right, there you go. You know, So that's a positive influence of putting out a message, you know, and that influencing people's day-to-day life in a positive, in a small positive way, which is brilliant. Jungle Lion reminds us, Shearer got Newcastle relegated. People forget that. Um, yeah, we don't want someone like Larson to come back and tarnish his legacy as an absolute icon of Celtic Park. Uh, but we do want to see change. We certainly do want to see change. Now, you were talking earlier, and it, it, actually, I had a wee vision when you were talking, JP, when you, you mentioned Roma. Was it Roma versus Milan? Yeah, Is that what you yeah. said? And next season, we could be looking at a situation. I read this morning a report that Roma's in for Odson Edouard and obviously Milan's in for Ayer. And I'm thinking here, you've got Ayer, you've got Edouard, you've got Christie. What other big names um, do you think there's going to be a lot of interest in? And surely we can't sell them all in one go. We've already lost Frimpong. That's too much, I think. That's too wide a gap to try and bridge in one pre-season, surely. It certainly is. Uh, I, I really really worry about McGregor. I think I think somebody's gonna come in for him, whether it's an English Premier League side or not, I don't know. But I think he's maybe maybe one of the people that was convinced to stay on to try and go for ten in a row. And that's not worked out. But um I, I you know I would take to see McGregor leave Celtic but at the same time I kinda of wouldn't begrudge him a move because, you know, he has been at Celtic a long time. It's a short career 
you know, it's not like he's sort of running out on us really. I, I, it's just it's just really bad timing for us in terms of a rebuild. Christie, I think, has made it clear um, that he's not signing a new contract, so therefore he wants to go. Um, and I know that Nice were were linked with Christie uh, in mm. January, or, or certainly in the lead up to January. Um, I mean, I, 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 Nice would be an amazing. I, I, I'd love to go and play in Nice and live live in the south of France. And um, I don't know if I'd leave Celtic to do it, but um, I'd certainly uh, not say no to that sort of move. Um, but yeah, you know, who knows? Ayer could be lining up against Edward in the in Serie A, um, which would be surreal. But uh, we've seen the guys play; we know what they can do. It's, it's not as if uh, you see comments coming on here where folk go, "These guys are deluded," you know, and Edward, you know, he's, he's not that good, and Ayer can he defend and all this sort of stuff. It's like no, <laughs> we watch them all the time. You know, we're obviously massive Celtic fans, so we spend a lot of time watching them play. So, and I, I've been watching Celtic for thirty-three years, so I'd like to think I've got some a bit of authority on who's a good player and who's not a good player. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm an expert by no means, but, you know, I've got enough sort of, uh, <laughs> I've got enough uh, bad players to compare to the good players over the years to, to sort of say, well, he's a player. I just want to say, Billy Boy with an H, by the way. Billy Boy 32 said, look at what Robert Duval done at Kilnocky. <laughs> a brilliant difference. If you haven't seen the film, A Shot of Glory, I own it. <laughs> That's um, tremendous. Um, that is tremendous. I know it's got Ali McCoyst in it, but it's Ali McCoyst playing Jackie McQuillan, uh, who is an ex- they make him an ex-Celtic player in it for some reason. So they've like photoshopped him in Celtic in Celtic strips when he's actually wearing a Rangers strip. It's and Robert Duvall's Scottish accent in it. It just changes from scene to scene. You know, one minute he's like quite quite sort of neddy Scottish accent, and then the next minute it's quite sort of old man kind of posh Scottish brilliant Michael Keaton's in it as well bizarrely it's tremendous so is remember the Airdrie forward Andy Smith <laughs> Aye, Owen Coyling's in it as well it was like a lot of the Airdrie players at the time randomly were in it maybe Kenny Black as well oh um, I remember him I remember Kenny Black you're talking about Owen Coyle he's now managing in India interestingly enough you were talking yeah. about almost a se- semi-retirement you know going to Indian football going to Chinese football um, it's either semi-retirement or it's a stepping stone until they can get a job back here or elsewhere I think um, but you're right what you say there we've seen it with Dembele you knew the level he was at I, I actually say that you know there's the obvious ones like Juan Yama and Van Dyke. but I also remember watching Jason Denier and I know it wasn't instant with Denier because he had a spell at Sunderland which wasn't great but he's gone on to prove that he could play at a much higher level and and you can see them in Scottish football JP uh, these guys who can make that step up was Frimpong one of those players I thought he still had the potential to develop where he was I think he's probably left a wee bit too soon but you know he could come back and prove us wrong but I'm going to bring up one final one final point from Rabbi Burns to say Frimpong not missed average player in great feet is it a great fee um, I don't think he was average but mm. I do agree with the first part of that I don't think we had, we, we've actually missed him Declan what's your thoughts on that because I, I feel defensively we've got more balance since he moved out the side yeah that's a word I would use Paul is balance I think John Joe Kenny brings a, a kind of wee bit more stability to the side um, again though John Joe's been in there playing with Welsh and Dyer as his centre back pairing if the big duster comes back in at the weekend, I don't know if there'll be as much balance in the defence, but um, we'll just wait and see. But I certainly think John Joe Kenny's first uh, instinct is to defend. 
whereas Frimpong's seemed to always be to get forward. So I think there's a better balance to the team. Um, if you play four defenders, you know what you're going to get. But if Big Duffy comes back in on Sunday, um, the balance might not be as nice. Declan, are you going, are you going for your walk today, Declan? Yes, I shall be. Uh-huh. Brilliant, good man. JP, you fight, you getting the final word on this this broadcast today. Just on the denier uh, um, reference, he was also in one of my favourite Celtic songs of recent times, obviously started by the Green Brigade. Uh, a take on the Billy Joel classic, We Didn't Start the Fire. Remember, <laughs> we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't sign denier, but it doesn't matter because we got Boyata. <laughs> that was I mean football genius as far as I'm concerned that yeah. song creativity uh, talking of which I interviewed a band this morning called The Dictator and uh, the interview will be out tomorrow to celebrate their new single and uh, I've just got to say they're all good Celtic men as well so there you go it seems to be a thread uh, flowing through a lot of Scottish bands JP the good ones anyway uh, thank you everybody for getting involved uh, via our Twitter page and also on Facebook and on YouTube but a big thank you to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me once again on a Celtic State of Mind Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.